I was cycling up a hill in Dublin, Constitution Hill, just at the park at King's Inns. I was on my way to see a group of radio students. There was to be a discussion on how to find interesting people to talk to for the radio. As I passed the park, I looked over and saw, through the railings, a man in a green jacket and wide-brimmed hat. He was walking on the grass and every so often he'd bend down and pick up twigs. Hey, can I know you a minute? Yeah. My name is Ronan, I'm with RT, I'm doing a bit of recording yeah. and I saw you picking up the twigs and yeah. I was just wondering, what are you picking them up for? Lighting fires. As kindling? Kindling and it's like, actually, do you know what it is? It's, um, when, some days when I do it it's very meditative and calming just to walk around and pick up the twigs and then also I like the fact that you have one twig and it's one colour but look when they all come together that becomes a much more intense colour so they're my, probably my three main reasons <laughs> but this is a ritual I have every day I've done this for years really? yeah and where are you heading to? Where do my you go? studio I'm in, I have a studio on Henrietta Street and you're an artist? yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. my name is Fergus Martin Henrietta Street is a short street in Dublin. Opposite Bolton Street, where engineers are trained, and tucked in behind King's Inns, where barristers are trained. Between the two, Fergus Martin works in a house full of artists. Like other houses on the street, it's an old Georgian one. It must have been quite something 250 years ago. The money people of the time. But not now. Apart from a bill. No. Oh, I got, look, Tesco and Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. Nothing exciting. <laughs> Sorry. Come on now. The hall is large and gloomy, with paint peeling on the walls. Freezing. Covering some of that peeling paint are large canvases of contemporary art. Fergus has two rooms at the top of the house. Servants' quarters with low ceilings, easier to heat. This is my two rooms. This is slightly warmer. In the room at the back, there's a large photo on the white wall. It's a picture of an old kitchen chair. That's what makes me think of a donkey. You know the way a donkey stands in a field? It's just like that. They're just so still, you know, and I love them. In the room at the front, over the fireplace, is a photo of a sturdy old kitchen table. Do you know what I love? I love those blocks. Look at those legs. Mm -hmm. And just the little edges of colour, but I just love underneath tables. And actually, it reminded me of how, as a child, very often you hide under your bed. Yeah. And the table, like the chair in the other room, is very plain. Dour-looking pieces. I have a real problem with decoration. I found a shirt I had at home that I'd bought years ago. It had stripes. I put it on, I had to take it off. I couldn't, I couldn't look at the stripes. I'm getting worse, actually, about Where that. does it come from? I don't know where it comes from. My mother used to say to me, you're the most awful person to buy anything for. If there's a one-colour thread on it, you won't look at it. I love the design on the side of that. Oh yeah, my brother got me that from Saudi Arabia. From some. 
After school, Fergus went to a small art college in Dunleary. After college, he painted at home in his bedroom. It was frustrating that time, but it did bring him an early revelation of the power of art. My mother came in. She said, look, will you come down to Monkstown with me? I've seen a painting in the gallery and I have enough money to buy a coat or this painting. Because she was a physiotherapist and she brought up four of us. She wasn't loaded, you know. But she was passionate about things like this. And I remember thinking, oh, God, you know, what does the old dear like? You know, that kind of thing. So I went down to the gallery with her. I'm not kidding you. Walked into the gallery and I saw her face change. Now, it was a painting of a lock in Bagger Street on the canal. And I remember looking at her face thinking, just thinking that was enviable. Fed up with painting in his bedroom, Fergus decided to give up art and Ireland and head for Italy. And actually I went to Milan because I was always, always curious about industrial design. In Milan, Fergus looked for work in a college. Teach English. To get a job teaching English, he felt he had to bend the truth a bit. So he went along to the university and said that the Irish language version of my diploma in art in Dunleary was actually a degree in English. What was funny was when I went in with my prepared speech, the professor at the time just said to me, I don't care what you have, we're stuck. So I got the job. He may have tried to blag his way into the job, but as a job, it turned out to be pretty fulfilling. Because these were, it was the State University of Milan, you had about... 80 people come into your class. They were coming in from these villages way outside Milan. Some of them wouldn't have had much money. But the ones who came, they never missed a lesson. And that's something, now you say, what moves you? What moves me is watching somebody get pleasure from something or watching someone who's hungry to do something. That moves me incredibly. Although Fergus gave up art to teach a language, it was the language teaching that brought him back to art. The students were looking at texts and they weren't seeing the wood for the trees. They were saying, what's this word? I'd say, look, please, calm your minds. Read the text, even read it twice. Then I thought, I'm going to give them a visual impression of the whole paragraph, the whole chunk of text. And so I took the text and I photocopied it. I went to Rank Xerox shop opposite the university and I had it blown up into a poster, like a huge poster. And I put them all over the walls. And my idea was, if you were at the back of the lecture hall, you'd see this grey block. And my idea was, get that grey block into your heads as a block. So then I was looking at my own works on the walls, thinking, mm, I could do more things with this. So I started tipexing words out. So they had to see the whole block without the word and still get the whole meaning. Then... <laughs> I decided I wanted to look more interesting. So I would get the photocopy in the photocopy shop. You should have seen the people in the shop. They were going crazy. I'd say, oh, that's very good. Thank you very much. And I would crunch it up in my hands and then open it up again and say, now photocopy this again. <laughs> so I'd have a kind of a crunch effect. Sometimes I said, please, no, we can't do that. Or you'll wreck our machines. Anyway, that got me painting with Tipex onto paper, coloured papers, and painting usually horizontal lines, as if I was painting a canvas. There was all tipex on paper. Fergus Martin decided to return to Dublin, although he says he came to Ireland rather than came back to Ireland. He decided to think of himself as a new immigrant to Ireland and to open his mind to what the country had to offer. He brought Ireland his tipex and photocopy art, and what the country had to offer him was a surprising gift 
of a machine. And I went to the rank Xerox shop on Stevens Green. And I went in every day and I got my copies and they used to often make the copy and come back. And one day I went in and this wonderful woman who worked there called Liz said to me, we've been talking about you. And I said, oh. And she said, the manager wants to speak to you. And the manager came out and she said, the girls have been telling me you're doing very interesting things. We want to offer you a machine. They gave me a machine in the back of the shop and I spent the summer making photocopies. I mean, can you believe that? It's the kind of thing which happens and you think, my God, people are so good. They're so, they're just, this one woman, she said, this is something we must give him freedom. Eventually, Fergus's pieces were shown in a gallery and his career took off in earnest. He works on photos, paintings and large-scale public sculptures, like a series of steel rings for the foyer of the School of Dentistry in Dublin. He knew he wanted circles in the piece, but didn't know exactly how, until he saw a play. And there was a troupe of jugglers. And I was thinking of this idea... I saw the jugglers and I said, that is exactly what I want. These are going to be static in this space, but I want them to look like they're always moving. And I hope, it, I hope it's worked, of course. His bid for the Dental Hospital Commission was a success. Others have not been. Like his bid for a memorial for those killed in the Monaghan bombings. A large stainless steel square with a tiny hole cut in it. And the tiny hole cut in it was my remembering when you were a child and you drew a flower and you, you always started with, with the hole in the middle and you drew the petals around it. That was in my mind as kind of a childlike thing but I watched it square and shimmering on the lake. But what was lovely was we met people who had been in Monaghan at the time and maybe who had had people killed or injured. I just remember thinking you know you go and you meet people and you think well now you have to do something right here. You really have to give them something that they really want, you know. It's not fair just to sort of waltz in and plonk something there and go out again. It has to mean something. The back room is all white. Floor, wall, ceiling. On one wall is a supersized photo of Fergus in white cotton pyjamas. But you see, all the time I'm looking at this, look at that. But he sees more than white cotton pyjamas when he looks at it. Amazing. He's looking at how the light falls on the material. That could be carved. The folds yeah. in the material. It could be carved. I love it. The first pair of pyjamas Fergus bought for this photo were the right cut, but the wrong material. He wanted to create an image characteristic of carved white marble. And for that, he needed to find the cotton that was perfect. And for Fergus, there was only one place for that kind of cotton. Italy still has shops that sell cotton to make shirts. Like, we wouldn't have them here anymore. One guy in one shop, he loved the idea. And then I found the cotton I wanted. And I'll never forget, he had this really long wooden counter and he just threw it out. And I thought, God, it's like milk in the Cadbury's milk ad, the way it shoots out. It was like that. And I thought, this is magic. For Fergus Martin, the process of making the art is as much fun as the art itself. For example, one of his pieces is three polished stainless steel barrel shapes for the entrance to the Museum of Modern Art, Kilmainham, Dublin. They were made for Fergus by a man named David Grouse. One day, Fergus visited David's workshop. And he didn't see me come in. I was behind him and he had this welding mask on and he was welding. And I stood there thinking, that guy is just caressing that. He obviously loves it. I got a lump in my throat. I was standing there looking at him for ages. 
He may have to rely more on people like David Grouse in the future, because Fergus is a visual artist who's lost the sight of one eye. The detached retina. Um, in terms of your art, your art mm. what, what the, how did that affect how you...? Well, for example, when I paint, my paintings have very precise lines, especially on the outside. Of the, I usually paint a block of colour, but it has to be very rigidly imposed on the canvas. And I can't do the measuring now and the, and the masking and all that stuff now. And, you know, there are times you think, oh, my God, I'll never do anything again. But then you realise, I will ask someone to do it for me, you know? All you have to do is make your work. And you're not ceding control then? I don't care. I don't think it is. I would, if I had to, ask someone to actually put the paint onto the canvas. But I tell you, I love doing it so much. I'll only do it if I can't do it. Although he's been working at art for a long time, Fergus still does have those moments his mother had when she was looking at the picture of the lock. I was in the Musée d'Orsay in Paris last week and I spent about an hour, and I'm not joking you, and you realise you don't spend an hour in front of paintings, in front of this still life by Cézanne with a green stoneware jar and a grey kind of coffee pot. And I swear to you, I thought the coffee pot was kind of nudging in towards the stoneware jar. It was so alive. You see the difference between that bunch, this is the recent crop, and that... In the middle of the all-white room, on the floor, are the twigs from the nearby park. What colour would you call it? It's like a reddish-brown. But again, Fergus is not just looking at the twigs. He's looking at how they sit on the white floor. Through the holes in between the twigs, you see the floor. Look how intense. That's like a block of colour. The twigs may be beautiful, but they can look pretty for just long enough. Well, they'll all disappear when I burn them. Eventually, they are art that must be destroyed. Now, that's a lovely sound. Fergus Martin, artist and tweak collector.